All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub. This is Corey. Hey, what's up, guys? It's JK3. All right, we're recording post-Jaguar Saints preseason game number one, and we actually have a guest to kind of chat a little bit about what's going on this week, as well as the practice and game coming up against Minnesota. And we are joined by Brian Jackson, sports anchor and reporter for WJXT4 News for Jacks. Hey, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Hey, good to talk to you guys again, man. Yeah, for sure. So you're a reoccurring guest now. It's two years in a row, so we'll have to you know, sign a little contract, keep that going forward in the next couple of years. Uh, we'll send that to your agent coming up soon, so keep an eye out. Um, <laughs> and I did want to, before we well, get... It worked last year, so... Yeah, yeah, I know, for sure. And I did want to ask, just before we get started, did you have a chance to take a look at the uh, dog park uh, this past game, and, and if you have any first impressions on the uh, newest and most exciting addition to the stadium? I saw it from a distance. Uh, we were setting up for a live shot that was, I don't know, probably a couple hundred feet away, um, maybe like one level higher. So it'll be interesting to see how that looks. Uh, maybe I might check it out for the uh, third preseason game coming up against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, maybe I'll be able to check it out in more detail. But I didn't see any dogs or anything. Like I don't know if they were allowing them for this game or what, but I didn't see any, anybody out there. It was It was pretty empty. Well, supposedly it's like a special thing where you have to kind of, I don't know if you have to check in ahead of time or give them a heads up that you're coming. Like, in other words, you can't just kind of show up with your dog out of nowhere. Right. You can't just show up. I mean, it's it's for the VIPs, the very important pups. Ooh, I like it. (laughs) That's that's good. Did you have that written up beforehand or... I, I, that is all off the top of the dome. Oh, wow. That's good. <laughs> we did see my 11-year-old and I go to the games, and there were a couple dogs that had the Pet Paradise, like, I don't want to say gear, but it was some kind of, like, uh, harness, and they were walking around uh, through the stands, actually, and that was pretty surreal. So there were some. I don't think it was packed, but when I watched the recording on TV, you could see that they were doing some shots from inside there, and you could see maybe, like, six or seven of them. So, but... That being said, that's not why we had you on, of course. We're not going to beat too much of a dead horse uh, since it's been the topic of conversation for the last few days on the radio and on social media. Uh, But as you know, the suspensions of Dante Fowler and Jalen Ramsey, Fowler for the scuffle he started in camp, and I've heard other scuffles, maybe not even visible, but, you know, altercations behind the scenes, too. Uh, And then, of course, Ramsey uh, for his interactions with the media. So kind of curious, just from your perspective, uh, since you are in the media, because I don't want to assume that everybody, yeah, I don't want to assume that everybody thinks exactly the same way or has the same exact opinion about this because uh, it's been a little wide ranging. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts on what the quote unquote media member did in recording and releasing the video, uh, which I've now heard was against the team policy, potentially what he did. And then uh, Ramsey's yeah. response on Twitter thereafter. So I guess I'll start with the skirmish because it wasn't a fight or anything between uh, and Gakwe and Fowler, um, it's training camp. I mean, these types of things happen at all NFL training camps across the league. I mean, just a couple of days ago, I believe it was the the Jets and the Redskins. They had uh, intra-squad scrimmages and practices, and now that was an actual brawl. Like that's an actual fight. Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> Fowler and Gakwe, they didn't even throw any punches. It was kind of one of those, hey. You know, I'm yelling some obscene words at you, and you're yelling some back, and hold me back because you already know what happens if I get loose. It was kind of one of those deals. Really didn't think it was that big of a deal. But what you mentioned is, so as media members, we're only allowed to shoot certain portions of practices. So they have 17 periods per practice, and every day 
we know ahead of time usually which periods we're allowed to shoot, which periods we don't. And there were so, I guess, on top of things is that if it's a period where we're not even allowed to shoot, like we will literally take our cameras off off the tripod so it doesn't even look like we're shooting anything. Hmm. And in this situation, uh, one of our, I guess you could say, yeah, one of my colleagues, <laughs> fellow media members, uh, saw that this kind of skirmish broke breaking out and it broke out their phone and started recording it. And that's when Jalen approached, not approached him, but from a distance basically said, Hey, turn that off. Cause the players know what periods we can shoot as well. Cause I mean, like I said, we're all there every single day. So everybody kind of knows the deal. And he obviously chose to take the video anyway. As you notice, when you see Jalen kind of pointing at the camera, like it stops very shortly thereafter. Because obviously he knew that's not what we're supposed to be doing. And Jalen shouldn't have handled it the way that he did after the fact. But I kind of understand where Jalen was coming from when he made the initial approach towards the reporter, basically saying like, hey, you know you're not allowed to be recording this, so why are you doing this? Yeah, one quick follow-up to that. I mean, do you agree with the team's action on the suspension for Ramsey? Because, I mean, I was a little here's my thing like now that i've heard it from your guys perspective uh, um you know just the fact that i guess the the reporter was a little out of line in what he was doing um you know ramsey came back with the tweet i think he was like you know if you guys want to start a war we'll start a war or something right. like that which is like probably a bit much you know a little hyperbolic probably but um i mean do you agree with the uh, team's decision there or should that have been more of like a behind the scenes uh conversation or, or what were your thoughts on that i mean i think it wins uh quote-unquote, it's a PR win for the team. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Jalen doesn't need to practice against anybody from the Vikings to get ready for week one against the Giants. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, missing a week of the preseason, I mean, he played in one preseason game a year ago, and he was an all-pro. I mean, I doubt he's still in town. He probably went back to Nashville to be with his daughter and continue training with his dad. I'm sure he'll come back. He'll be in perfect shape, and he'll be ready to go week one. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think, you know, missing a week of the preseason and training camp, that's probably a vacation. <laughs> you know, guys probably don't mind missing that. Not to make light of the situation, but right. I don't think it's a huge deal at the end of the day for Ramsey. Now, for Fowler, I think it's a much bigger deal because it was only his second day of practice since he's been back after dealing with the shoulder injury. Now, he, of course, missed the entire off-season program and the first two and a half weeks of camp. So, He's just starting to get back in the groove of things. And the only way you get back in football shape is by actually playing football. So for him, I think it's a much, much bigger deal because he's probably the one who they may even give some extra reps just to kind of get him back into the flow of things. And also knowing that he's not going to play in week one against the Giants because of this suspension for his arrest back in 2017. So I think for Fowler, this is a much, much bigger deal compared to what it means for Jalen. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, Fowler does need those extra reps, uh, you know, on the field, uh, and especially, you know, with his current position that he's in right now with him not picking up his option, um, you know, which is even further on down the line, but especially him coming off, uh, you know, that shoulder injury, it's definitely bigger for him. Uh, staying with Dante, uh, which is pretty funny. He just uh, tweeted out a couple minutes ago that everyone hates, hated Jesus, too. So. It's been deleted. PR staff has really said, look, delete this now. Really? It's not even up there Wow. Good. Okay. That's a good thing. It doesn't take very long. Yeah. Good. It is. It, they it's monitor good. those things all day, every day. Jalen's tweet after the reporters, they got deleted shortly thereafter as well. Huh. Good. They stay on top of those things. Interesting. Well, hey, that 
Well, that is that is that's good that there is a, a buffer to, to make sure he's not saying anything or doing anything crazy. But uh, he's suspended for for a week um, from that incident. And now, you know, he's going to be you know, losing those vital reps against Minnesota and in the, you know, the preseason game that, that game time. Um, so there's been a lot of rumors and like trade possibilities going around. Maybe Dante and, uh, you know, a bunch of picks for Khalil Mack, et cetera, et cetera. Do you really think there's any chance of the team like entertains any kind of any kind of trades? Uh, and if so, you know, realistically, from a professional standpoint, what do you think, uh, you know, a trade could shake out? I don't think there's any way in the world that the Jaguars would trade Dante. Uh, as many problems as he somewhat causes off the field. He's their insurance policy. If Ngakwe were to go down, you still have a guy coming off your bench who gave you eight sacks last year and two in the playoffs. I don't know. There probably are 31 other teams in the NFL that would love a guy coming off their bench and they can give you eight sacks. Right. Most guys would happy. You'd be happy if you're starting defensive and gave you eight sacks, mm-hmm. let alone right. a guy who's pretty much playing in third and longs and only in uh, passing situations. Uh, plus, you know, on the other end, if – if uh, Calais Campbell were to go down with the injury, that means you have Fowler as well, who gets more playing time maybe on, at that end of things. So I don't think that there's any way that they will trade him. Now, I don't think the – because then you're going to have to pay Khalil Mack as well. So that's a whole other ballgame. I don't think that would work out because he's going to want to get paid, and the Jaguars got a lot of other people they got to pay. <laughs> right. I don't think they're really too much worried about Khalil Mack right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially with uh, what he's doing out in Oakland with the holdout, I don't think there is enough money to go around on the team to pay. But like you said, there there are uh, you know some some checks that are going to have to be uh, written here probably in the next off season. So, um, quick question as far as you know, moving from the defensive line to maybe the offensive side of the ball right now. Um, from the Jags' first preseason game against the Saints, you know, we obviously know that Blake and you know even. Kessler looked really good. Um, aside from those two main guys and, you know, most of the people they've really been talking about, uh, you know, Blake and, and Kessler's performance, who are some other standouts from the game that you thought are, that were that were good that we may have missed? So I think that the first team offensive line didn't really get enough credit for the job that they did. Uh, they started off the game really well. Um, did They started the game without two of their starters along the offensive line. I believe Jeremy Parnell didn't play and then Andrew Norwell didn't play either. So for them to get the running game established early on, I believe Burnett's first carry went for about eight yards or so. And, I mean, last year he averaged under four. So to get that started, and outside of Blake really taking kind of one big shot, uh, I believe that came from his right side, which would have been where Parnell was anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that the first-team offensive line did a really, really, really good job of protecting Blake, opening up a couple of holes for Burnett. So. No, it's not like the Saints have a powerhouse defense. Let's keep that in mind. But yeah, I think that the, the offensive line can perform at that type of level. And then you got to think when you add another All Pro at left guard, and then you put um, Cornell back at right tackle, who didn't even give up a sack all of last year. If they can kind of continue to play at that type of level, uh, they'll give Bortles time and you know open up some more holes from Fournette, who still looks explosive, even though he's lost about 15 pounds from last year. Uh, I think they'll be doing. They'll be in pretty good shape. Yeah, I thought the receivers did uh, did a pretty decent job. Also, um, you know, in, in the game, uh, especially Moncrief, I thought you know some of the passes that were thrown to him. You know, it, it was really good to see a lot of the sure handed catches. You know, I, I don't know as far as you know looking at the receivers and 
and some of the things we monitor on training camp and, and um, you know, some of that stuff that's going on during the week. But to see pure catching someone with soft hands, not really catching the ball with their body. And that goes for Didi, uh, Marquise Lee, uh, Moncrief as well. You know, I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty good showing for the uh, for the receiver core not to really have a quote unquote defined number one receiver. I thought they did uh, pretty decent. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's what we will see come the season. Like you're going to I think you'll see maybe four or five guys each week with four or five catches. Like, there's not going to be a number one Julio Jones getting 15 targets a game. Like, that's just not how this offense is set up. But I think there's – they do have maybe between four and five receivers who can get you maybe anywhere between three and six catches a game. And I think they'll just spread the ball around and Blake can really just focus on going through his progressions and finding who's the open guy. I mean, as cliche as that sounds, instead of thinking, okay, I've got A-Rob out, out here. Sure. I'm going to give him a chance on a one-on-one just because I know he can go make the play. Instead, now I think he can just kind of sit back and go through his progressions, which is what the team actually wants him to do anyway. Yeah, I mean, and that's a good point that you made because it's not like, you know, you got you know this pressure from, you know, someone in the huddle just saying, all right, give me the ball. I know I can beat this guy. I know I can beat this guy. And then you're not even looking at your reads to see what's open now versus everyone, you know, every receiver, even, you know, Austin Safarian Jenkins, They've all got, you know, chances to, to show and, uh, and there may be some mismatches where Blake and, can look and actually force to make reads instead of him automatically knowing that he's going for a 50-50 ball, you know, down the field. With, with, the, with the good performances from, you know, the O-line and, and, you know, some other things you pointed out, um, besides the whole Tanner Lee, you know, the obvious, uh, you know, underperformance. That was hard to watch. Anyone else besides Tanner Lee that stuck out? Uh, in a negative way? I can't really say so. I mean, they're. I mean, obviously they didn't win the games. Doesn't really matter at this time of the year. But for all the guys that we think that they're going to be counting on, come uh, week one, I think all of those guys had a solid out. Like, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they can back that up this week against Minnesota. Uh, I mean, they they may have a. The Jaguars always say how they're facing you know the best defense in the league uh, every single day in practice. Well, Minnesota may have something to say about that as well. Um, so, you know, it'll be something different for Blake. And if he can have a good outing and the receivers can get open against Xavier Rose and this secondary, uh, I think then we'll have a really – I think this weekend will be a much better test for exactly uh, where this team is at. And that's kind of the, the way we'll, we'll sort of wrap this up with you, Brian. Is there any major story heading into the, the next game that we should be – looking for maybe from the perspective of like, Hey, this guy needs to perform in order to make the team or or this guy really needs to stand out because he didn't perform as well in week one. I mean, aside from the Jalen Ramsey stuff and the the Dante Fowler stuff, is there any one guy or one storyline that might be a little undervalued that we should really be paying attention to uh, when we're watching it on TV? Well, one thing I really want to look for is who's going to win this job at punt returner. I mean, right now they have probably five different guys that they can put back there. Uh, Shane Wynn is another guy to kind of look out for. If the guy was, if he was 5'10", he would have a spot on his roster, but he's only 5'6". And he just continues to go out there and make play after play after play. And if he doesn't make this roster, he'll probably be on somebody else's team. But some of the other receivers, whether it's Rashad Green or Jadon Mickens, one of those guys probably needs to make a big play in the return game. Uh, if the Jaguars are going to keep six receivers, which – I kind of have a feeling like they might keep six this year. Um, not sure where that position would come from, probably from one of the linebacking positions. But I would say that last wide receiver spot, because the first five are pretty much done. You know, those are set in stone already. 
But I would keep in mind for maybe Rashad Green, Jadon Mickens, and Shane Wynn, if one of them can make enough plays to really uh, convince the Jaguars to keep six receivers instead of five. Hey, so really quick, another question that I, that I had, and just not uh, really quick off topic, but as far as the linebackers, uh, you know, go, we've got Miles Jack, we've got Telvin. What do you think the learning curve would be for for Leon Jacobs, who kind of just has stepped into that role and just been an all star uh, and, and a rising star in the camp? What do you think his his learning curve uh, is going to be with you know with with Telvin and uh, and Miles Jack? Well, the way that the Jaguars like to play defense, he's only going to play maybe thirty thirty five percent of the snaps. So I think, you know, in base running downs uh, where there's, you know, a tight end on his side and not, you know, a lot of wide receivers on the field, I feel like they feel like he has the best body type to play. Strong side linebacker. I know that a lot of us uh, media folks and stars, we all kind of penciled in Blair Brown mm-hmm. as that uh, strong side linebacker. But I feel like from what from what we've gotten from Doug Marone is they kind of like Leon Jacobs' uh, body type for that strong side linebacker because he – a little bit bigger and can kind of take on, you know, whether it's an offensive tackle or a tight end on his side. Um, so they feel a little bit more comfortable with him. And then they kind of like Blair Brown as a backup just in case either Telvin or Miles were to go down. So they kind of feel good about it. We always talk about like a swing swing tackle on offense for your offensive line. That's kind of the way that they view Blair Brown right now is that if any of the other guys go down, that they feel like they feel comfortable being able to plug him into either the wheel linebacker for Telvin or maybe even inside if Miles were to go down with an injury. Well, Brian, we'll kind of uh, start wrapping it there. I mean, do you have any plans and any upcoming practices of trying to, you know, take some undercover video like your colleague did? Or <laughs> I kind of like having my media credentials, and I don't want them to be taken. I don't know <laughs> what's going to happen to my colleague. But the one thing that will be interesting and then is probably going to happen is, even though we're not allowed to shoot certain portions of practice, we can physically stand there and watch it and just kind of have it for our own, I guess, uh, imagination, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So right. it will be interesting to see. I've heard rumors that they're going to actually move us off the field <laughs> for portions that we can't shoot and report, which is obviously makes it tougher to, for us to do our jobs. Because, uh, like, when the Jaguars are going 11 on 11, um, you know, we can see if Blake threw – three or four interceptions because we're sitting there watching it. Now we're not allowed to report on that, but we can see it. You know, we can see that that Diddy Westbrook got open on Jalen Ramsey or, or, you know, beat Deshaun Gibson down the field on a, on a post route, but we can't report on it. But those are the kind of things that we can keep in mind. So if we're not allowed to see these things anymore, that's a huge disadvantage. And it's really going to be a disadvantage to fans because, you know, we can't use that as far as, as far as our coverage. So, It'll be interesting to see if they kind of uh, put the handcuffs on all of the media for for one person's sins. Yeah, <laughs> I guess you could say which would be terrible. And if that does happen, I think you guys should all group up and beat him up. <laughs> he's a good guy. Not, <laughs> people know who it is. I'm not gonna say his name. He's a good guy. Yeah, I'm just kidding. He's I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure it's like an honest mistake type thing. I mean, he didn't. As far as I can tell, he hasn't been uh, up there that long. So maybe it's just one of those things where you're kind of. You know, just trying to really, you know, get a scoop or maybe be a little overzealous. But if anything, you know, one option I will throw out there for you that you might want to consider, since the recording is not allowed, you could hire one of those like court sketch artists and like have them like, 
You know what I'm talking about? And like have them sketch out practices. <laughs> they can write everything down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, but yeah, that's stupid. Sorry. That was a dumb recommendation. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> we know that you've got more important things to do, including being on TV, which sounds like the most awesome thing ever. So uh, we will go ahead and let you go. Um, you can find Brian on WJXT4 News for Jacks here in Jacksonville, Florida, as well as on Twitter at WJXTB Jackson, uh, which we'll link up to in the podcast description as well. Thanks, Brian, again for jumping on. Hey, appreciate you guys having me. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.